It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, episode 427, Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels. Your hosts, I'm on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Sage is on Twitter, at Sage Rosenfels 18. I'm covering the Vikings at ZoneCoverage.com, and I'll be at minicamp today, tomorrow, and Thursday, providing reports from there. Well, before we get started, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. This is how you can score when you're in the red zone, when you're right on the goal line. Increase your performance when you're with your significant other. you got to look to Blue Chew and BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. It is a chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. It's the first of its kind. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach. They're chewable. They work twice as fast as a pill. So when the opportunity arises, you're ready to go. Blue Chew, prescribed online, shipping straight to your door, It's in a discreet package, and really the whole vibe here is to reduce the awkwardness. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to have these weird discussions with with nosy employees. They just take that middleman right out. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than a pharmacy as well. So they're cheaper. They're not awkward. What's not to like? Special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. And get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring the podcast. Sage Rosenfels, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I uh, was in Minneapolis all weekend and heading back towards Omaha today. I actually stopped in Ames, Iowa for about uh, three or four hours for a summit, a state of Iowa summit on Haiti. And I am speaking at this conference and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, that Haiti cause, very, very good cause. Uh, we wish you the best of luck there. Tell me this, what is the difference between... OTAs and minicamp, other than minicamp is mandatory? No, not much. Uh, it's really almost the same thing. Uh, I, I think the minicamp practices are usually a little bit longer. They have a, you know, an exact amount of time uh, that they can use and sort of maximize. And you know, they try to cram everything in almost like the old school two-a-days. We, we, you know, I'm not sure how exact how minicamp practices are now, but we used to do two. Uh, you're flying on Thursday. Uh, you have two practices Friday, two on Saturday, and one on Sunday. And uh, so you got a lot of practice time in a short amount of time. Guys are really sore. And from uh, some of the good teams I was on, the Dolphins being one of them, it was a tradition on Sunday after that afternoon practice, uh, everyone would go meet at a, a local watering hole and, and sort of enjoy the, you know, the, sort of the end of required things uh you know for the rest of the summer until training camp starts for the most part so uh but uh, otas minicamp is almost the exact same thing right and that's kind of what i've noticed in the past definitely contractual reasons why guys want to be at minicamp but the attendance at 
OTAs has also been very good. Really, the only guy to miss voluntarily was Anthony Barr when he was holding out that one week, making sure he had an insurance policy uh, in case of injury. But Vikings start minicamp today. And, you know, there's a few there's a few questions in my mind that I'm wrestling with, sort of big picture about the Vikings. One of them is, which linebacker do the Vikings value more? Is it Eric Kendricks? Is it Anthony Barr? Kendricks has the extension. Barr might be negotiating one right now. The other question I have is, which wide receiver do the Vikings value more? Is it Adam Thielen? Is it Stefan Diggs? Diggs obviously entering a contract year. Adam Thielen right now is currently under a very fair deal. After, you know, two two years of this discussion, Sage, do you have an idea in your mind of who is 1A and who is 1B of those two Vikings wide receivers? Well, I, I tell you this, both of these guys are unbelievable third receivers. Uh, you know, it seems like Stefan Diggs is constantly running crossing routes. He's great. You know, uh, he's one of those great receivers with run after the catch, which uh, is sort of a new age type of thing. You know, Jarvis Landry, uh, who was in Miami, obviously Odell Beckham. I think there's a lot of receivers now who are a little bit smaller who are really good after the catch. That's Stephon Diggs. Uh, and Adam Thielen just sort of seems to be the guy where you need a catch, you need a big third down, uh, you, you need the big completion. Uh, he seems to be that guy. He's super nifty also. He has a little of that Wells to Welker in him where he just sort of knows how to find the, the soft spot in the defense. He really understands coverages, uh, which helps him you know, get, get open without being as fast or quick as some other receivers maybe on the, you know, the, the top 10 list of receivers in the NFL. But both have just been rock, uh, you know, just a steady, steady players for the Vikings. And really, and both of them make big plays in different ways. Uh, but Diggs is obviously a, a big, you know, big play type of guy. He can go vertical. He can also go up and catch the ball uh, on jump ball. You know, the situations. Both of them are great in jump ball situations, which is impressive because they're both not, you know, huge six foot four, you know, Des Bryant type of guys. But they're both great going up and snagging the ball out of the air. Yeah, it, it's something that I've been debating back and forth about, you know, for a couple of years now. And I think that I think Stefan Diggs might have the higher ceiling of, of great playmaking ability. Like, we see some amazing athletic plays from Stefan Diggs, spectacular high-pointing catches. We see the Minneapolis Miracle. Uh, Adam Thielen is the model of consistency, though. And it's not like Thielen is boring, either. Thielen can make things happen in the air. He knows how to leave his feet. Diggs, just ha- when he's healthy, I think Diggs is one of the highest-end receivers in the league. I just think he has trouble staying 100% healthy which limits his ceiling sometimes in season. But, you know, early last season when he was healthy and then late last season, once he got healthy, I mean, there were very few that were more dominant than Stefan Diggs. I was going to say the Minneapolis Miracle, you sort of saw all the things that Diggs brings to the table. You know, he was the the fastest guy in that route, so he got vertical down the field. That's where they sent him on the deepest pass pattern. Uh, His ability to go up and catch that ball in traffic and then come down and have that unbelievable balance to, to keep his feet, not go out of bounds, and then score. Uh, that sort of showed you that the, the real athleticism, athleticism of Stephon Diggs. And there's different types of athletes. Some are just straight, you know, vertically fast. Some guys aren't as fast, they could, but they're really good at going up and getting, getting the football high uh, in those types of situations, those 50-50 balls that just happen in football games. And, and Stephon Diggs sort of has the ability to, be, to do both. He's extremely fast, and, he, and he's explosive yet he can go up and, and catch the ball at a high point. So, uh, you know, so both very, very, 
but Mikey's very fortunate to have two receivers that aren't costing a ton. Thielen's contract is not massively huge. It's turned out to be fairly player friendly. Or, I'm sorry, so, or uh, team, team friendly. Yeah. And uh, and Diggs is obviously still in his, his rookie deal. So, you know, the Vikings spent a lot of money on, on their quarterback this year, not a lot on their wide receivers. Yeah, Thielen's four years, $19 million. I think Diggs is going to be a little more than that when he signs that extension. But, uh, you know, that kind of brings me into this NFL Top 100 that has been unveiled on NFL Network. They're down to number 21, starting at number 100. A lot of Vikings on this list. And I think what... What we have to realize is they are heavily weighting this list based on last season's performance. It's not really a lifetime achievement ranking. It's more about what have you done for me lately. And that's why Case Keenum is number 51 on this list and Kirk Cousins is number 94 because it's kind of about what you've done recently versus what you've done in your career. So uh, on this list, they've got Stefan Diggs, 65, and they've got Adam Thielen, 36. Now, I do get a kick out of, and this kind of made some waves on Twitter, how in Adam Thielen's little video on NFL Network where they kind of highlight Thielen, everyone compares him only to other white receivers, right? He's like Wes Welker. He's He's like like Ed McCaffrey. Ed McCaffrey. Does that have to be the box that he's put in? He's one of the top five receivers in football last year. No, I don't think so. But it is. It's very natural for us to do that, and it's very natural that we do it. Also, I think just naturally, subconsciously, it's probably maybe some Freudian thing going on. But we, I think we do it with black quarterbacks as well. You know, it seems like you know, Lamar Jackson. Oh, he's like Michael Vick. You know, and yeah. and everyone starts making that comparison for whatever reason. White receivers seem to be compared to each other. Black quarterbacks seem to be compared to each other. Um, but uh, I, I think the difference between you know, Thielen is he's not a slot guy. You know, he, he's an outside and slot guy. And that's the difference between, like, say, him and a West Welker, right? And West was really a slot guy for the most part. He so understood defenses and space and how to gain leverage and get an advantage and use his quickness. Thielen sort of has that same understanding of how to read coverages and, and, and get open uh, and those types of things. But he also is, has that outside receiver capability uh, to be guys one-on-one, because uh, he's, he's, a, he's a bigger guy than Welker was in the slot. So uh, he, he doesn't compare well to Welker because he's a you know more of an outside player than an inside player, a little bit of both. And Welker was predominantly an inside player. So it'd be easy to, to compare West to, say, a Cole Beasley or a, uh, the, the, the Switzer uh, kid for that, that was with the Cowboys, um, you know, maybe one of those two guys, but rather than, uh, you know, Thielen, who's, is that more of a receiver that can be moved all over the place? Yeah, he's super versatile. You were saying off air that you were a little surprised that Adam Thielen was ranked 10 spots higher than Harrison Smith. Harrison is at 46. He was arguably the top safety in football last year. I know Pro Football Focus absolutely adored him. He had a historic uh, analytical season in their eyes. Smith is actually four spots behind Earl Thomas, who's number 42 on the list, but the list doesn't seem to appreciate safeties very much. They tend to appreciate the uh, sort of the sexy positions, cornerback, wide receiver, quarterback. I was surprised, too, because Smith is arguably one or two at his position, Thielen, you know, maybe top five, top ten. Well, and I think, to be honest with you, I believe that the safety position is as if not more important than the corner position. I really do believe that. I think there's been nine or ten straight years where the team that won the Super Bowl had a uh, a Pro Bowl level safety. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those positions where you have to cover. You also have to be a great tackler. 
uh, if you don't tackle uh, and you miss, you know, guys score touchdowns and, uh, and, you know, they can help clean up other guys' mistakes. I think a great, a great safety is extremely important to a football team. You know, I look at Harrison Smith as one of the top two safeties in football, which makes at the very worst he'd be the 44, you know, 44th uh, uh, you know, best player uh, you know, in, uh, you know, in in the game, right? So, I, so I, I don't. I look at him as a, a much better than that. I should say he's not the second best safety all the way down. If the, the safety is the least important position, uh, I think he's probably the best safety in the league. You know, maybe even somewhere in the top you know, 20, 25 players in the league. I think Harrison Smith is a fantastic football player, and and uh, I think he got shortchanged. And maybe it was because of the Eagles game. He did not play well in the Eagles game. He got scorched a couple times, and maybe that's people's last memory of him yeah i think a really good safety in football is sort of like a really good defenseman in hockey you know they don't always pop necessarily unless you're really looking closely but they can snuff out so many plays in subtle fashions that you don't necessarily notice with the naked eye i think that's a lot of harrison smith's game i think he's always in the right spot he's a sure-handed tackler and it's not like he's on an island like xavier rhodes where he can you know clearly defense a pass sometimes it's just about being in position uh to prevent the pass from being thrown so in smith's case i think he's deserving of, of much better than that he's a great blitzer uh you can definitely tell he's really controlling a lot of the um, you know, a lot of the coverage is back there and communicate. It seems like he's sort of the one in charge, sort of the quarterback of that defense. And, uh, and as, as I said before, a really good uh, safety or, you know, a, a sweeper in, in soccer, they clean up a lot of other people's mistakes. So it's like, you know, you, you may have seen two guys make mistakes up front, linebacker and, and defensive line, but Harrison Smith tackles them for an eight-yard gain, you know, hum, hum, you know, move on to the next play. And uh, you know, great players like Smith, you know, make that seem easy. So you don't realize a bad safety; those things end up being seventy-yard touchdowns. Okay, in terms of quarterbacks on this top one hundred list, I know we've established that a lot of this is based on what you did last year, and that's fine. But of these quarterbacks I'm about to mention, tell me if you actually think they're better than Kirk Cousins. So above Cousins on this list, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo, we've got Deshaun Watson. Case Keenum and Jared Goff. They're all pretty far above. Do you think any of them are actually a better quarterback than Kirk? Because uh, a couple of those guys were just one-year wonders. We don't know if they can back it up yet. Yeah, so well, let's go through. Jared Goff, I'd say no, and I like Jared Goff. Jared Goff is in hands-down the best system and the best situation of, of any uh, offensive player in football, uh, you know, quarterback-wise. But if he had to sort of carry that team by himself, which is what Kirk Cousins has been doing the last couple of years, it seems like, in Washington. Uh, I don't think he'd do nearly as well. So I think Jared Goff is wrong. Uh, it, it's too hard to tell uh, with the kid in, uh, in Houston. He's just, you know, but he played six games last year or something like that before he got hurt. So you know, I don't know if it, it's fair to put him about, if, you know, Kirk Cousins, as I always like to say, your best ability is your availability. And he was only available for six, eight games last year and, mm-hmm. and uh, before getting hurt. Um, Case Keenum, I, I don't think, and I like Case. Case was great last year. I don't think Case is better than, than Kirk Cousins. If I had a choice for uh, for more money or less, I, as I said, with the Vikings made the right decision there. I, I think that you know Kirk Cousins is worth the more money. Uh, he's a better overall quarterback than Case in the long term for the next you know five or seven years or so. Um, who else we got in that list? Garoppolo. 
Oh, Garoppolo. I tell you what, I I really do like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm I've, I've been one of those guys for a couple of years. I, I really think it's since it's that first start, um, two years ago, I believe, uh, when, when he came in and, and looked great uh, when Tom Brady was suspended. Uh, I think Garoppolo, he's got a really quick release. He's very accurate. He's a much better athlete than people realize. He's a really good athlete. Uh, he's smart. He sort of has the whole thing. He just doesn't have a ton of uh, playing time. Um, but I think we saw last year. That's, I mean, I, I watched a lot of that 49ers pick from last year, and he's making a ton of really, really good plays out there. And uh, I think he really could be sort of a part of this wave of young quarterbacks who are going to be the superstars in this league, you know, after you know Tom Brady and Drew Brees and a couple of these other guys retire here in a couple of years. And it seems like he's in a position where he's got a great offensive mind behind him. He's got a team that's on the rise, I would say, versus on the decline. He's in a really good spot. And, and that week one game against San Francisco between the Vikings and the Niners, that's scary to me if you're a Vikings fan. I mean, that, that's the type of quarterback that could come in on the road and maybe steal a game. And the Vikings can't afford to lose that game. You can't afford to lose any game, but uh, you really don't want to go 0-1 with, I think, Green Bay on the road in Week 2. Got to win that first game against the Niners and Garoppolo. So that'll be tough. Hey. That, that, that's, that game is going to have a lot of national eyes on it. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the 49ers are sort of the sexy team. They won five in a row at the end of the season last year with Garoppolo. So there are, you know, a lot of people who maybe didn't even see him during that five-game stretch go. But mentally, they, you know, they're reading all the, all the reports and what are teams expecting for next year. And the 49ers are one of those teams that is supposed to be making sort of a big move uh, to be maybe a contender in the, uh, the, the uh, NFC West. And so I think a lot of people are going to be interested in watching Garoppolo, watching the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, and obviously you know, playing against a, a really, really good opponent in the Minnesota Vikings in that defense. So I think there's going to be a lot of national stories uh, in that football game. Last thing I want your opinion on, and this is related to the Patriots, which I thought of when we talked about Garoppolo. So there was this guy last week, Cassius Marsh. Maybe you saw this. Played for the Patriots for a little bit last year, and I think he's actually on the Niners now. And basically he said, uh, I hated playing for New England. They don't have any fun. You know, it's not worth it. Uh, in, In essence, that's what he said. What do you make of that, and do you think that, the players on the Patriots, uh, typically, do, do you think they do enjoy playing because of the, the winning? Do you have to have a special personality to play for Belichick where you have that kind of tolerance for his mindset? Do you think that Marsh is, is justified in those comments? Well, yeah, I, I absolutely do. You know, there's there's multiple ways to, to coach, to teach, to, you know, be a, a boss. Uh, you know, everyone's had different types of bosses. Sometimes guys are jerks. Uh, but they're really good at what they do, and sometimes guys are nice guys and they're not good at what, what they do, and sometimes guys are jerks and they're terrible at what they do, and, and vice versa, right? So uh, I, I think in the NFL there's no two ways to sort of skin a cat, and, and uh, there's, or there's multiple ways to skin a cat. And uh, there's one way, which is sort of the Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, um, you know, that, that sort of whole tree. I think Bill O'Brien I've heard is just – sort of grumpy and yells and screams a ton down in Houston. Uh, that, that's sort of a one way to coach, you know, some intimidation, uh, a lot of yelling and screaming, um, you know, really wear guys down and, and, you know, try to build them back up for the games, you know, practicing out in brutal conditions. And then there's the other side uh, where, you know, 
here in Kubiak was this way. Uh, I believe uh, you know, up in Seattle they have uh, this sort of this sort of philosophy, and that you know everyone it's it's compete and work hard, but um, I guess player friendly might be a, a term to be used. Philadelphia was huge on that this year, and sort of supporting their players to be sort of individuals, and and uh, and then practices were fun, uh, they were enjoyable, they were fast, they were moving, not a lot of hitting going on, and and you know that team seemed to have a a much more positive. Uh, you know, sort of attitude, you know, going into that Super Bowl, it seemed like a little happy-go-lucky. And sometimes, a lot of times, a lot of times you'll play better uh, in that sort of mindset. So there's two ways to do it, multiple ways to do it. Uh, you know, as a player, I much preferred uh, when the head coach was easy to talk to, uh, when it seemed like, uh, you know, you're all sort of equals in this thing. There's players trying to get things done and coaches, you were all sort of working together, not sort of co- coaches, you know, demand uh, everything out of the players, and they have to do exactly what the coaches tell them to do. And uh, and I never liked, I never really uh, sat well with me or my teammates. I think is um, you know a coach who had a sort of uh, you know dictatorship style of, uh, of coaching. I always prefer the more you know democracy style of coaching because everyone uh, seemed to feel like their input mattered, and uh, and I think their play usually responded in a positive way. Yeah, and it does seem like. All of the dictator type, the the, the belligerent, the, the hard-nosed coaches are from that older generation. And Mike Zimmer is certainly in that group. He's a Bill Parcells disciple in every sense of the word. And I know he respects Bill Belichick a lot, too. But there really aren't many older coaches that, that fall into the mode of, of democracy. Maybe Pete Carroll. I mean, that's really all I can think of, of, of guys that are a little calmer, better communicating from that older generation. They, kinda, they all kind of live by that my way or the highway mentality. Yeah, and, and you know, not to say that, you know, it's like, it's like the Shanahan's, for example. I mean, Kyle sort of at the end of the day go, you know, it's his show. Um, but, uh, you know, we were always very involved in what plays that we liked and what we thought, you know, they should install versus these coverages that we're seeing. And, and uh, yeah, it didn't mean he was going to call them, but yeah, you always appreciate that your input mattered. And, and occasionally you would do, would get things called the way you want them called. You know, a, a good coordinator wants his quarterbacks to feel very good about the play calls and the plays that are being called. And so they, they should have input. I think Drew Brees always had a ton of input um, with, with the Saints. Uh, but, uh, you know, I said that not, not everyone does it the same way. It doesn't seem like Tom Brady, who knows how much input he has, you know, with, with everything going on there. Um, so, yeah, there's multiple ways to do it. Uh, Zimmer's from the old school. Uh, it works out well for the Vikings. I hope it will bring a Super Bowl to the Vikings. It's brought Super Bowls to, uh, to the Patriots, but also the teams like the Eagles and, and Seattle. Uh, who have a different way of going about things. Yep, yep, definitely multiple methods, that's for sure. Uh, that's an above-average show, Sage. Thanks a lot for your input. As always, we'll talk to you later in the week, and we'll have reports from Vikings Minicamp at TCO Performance Center. Have a good rest of your drive, Sage. Let's pray for no injuries for the Vikings. That'd be the worst thing to happen during these minicamps. Yeah, they had uh, Hercules Mata'afa with the ACL last week, and I'm sure they'll be very cautious going into this week as well. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, lockedonvikings.com.